Chapter 26 of Zofloya. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. Zofloya by Charlotte Dacker. Chapter 26. This dreadful and singular event spread consternation throughout the castle. Victoria alone could have attempted to explain it, and she carefully treasured in her bosom the ideas that presented themselves. "'Oh, most exquisite Zofloya!' exclaimed she, in the solitude of her chamber. "'Well mightest thou say that those who beheld the body of the Conte would be enabled to ascertain the cause of his death, while already thou hadst resolved that it should never more be seen. No, I will doubt thee no longer, powerful Moor, nor thy care for my safety.' for well do I now perceive thy infinite depth and wisdom. But after the first emotions of joy as her narrow escape had subsided, she began to marvel and reflect upon the sudden and precipitate disappearance of the body. Whither in that short space could he have conveyed it? Perhaps into some bottomless abyss, where the foaming torrent had embraced and hid it evermore. If not so, how then had he disposed of it, no matter how, so that nevermore it revisited the light. Adieu, then, for the present, to vain and useless surmises, thought she. I will rest content with the effect that has been produced. Events, however terrible and strange at the moment of their occurrence, lose by degrees their impression over the mind, for the ideas failing to identify the point at which they aim relax their attempts and revert to the consideration of objects more familiar to them. Thus, after a certain lapse of time, though surprise and regret continued frequently to obtrude on the minds of all, strong anxiety and horror gradually, though slowly, diminished. A gloomy calm was perceptible throughout the house, as though everyone bore about him the memory of some dreadful calamity, which time had ameliorated into a chastened grief. On the heart of Enriquez had the melancholy death of his brother, and its accompanying circumstances sunk the deepest. The castle, where so late he had resided, became a gloomy memento in his sight, and the presence of Victoria daily and unaccountably more displeasing to him. He meditated, therefore, to abandon the former, and to quit Italy altogether for some distant clime, where the memory of his misfortunes should no more in a thousand eloquent and mournful shapes continue to haunt him. The time, however, was now fast approaching when the innocent Leela would no longer consider it a point of religion or duty to hesitate at becoming his wife. Till this period, therefore, he decided to remain stationary, to smother the repugnant feelings of his bosom. For he reflected that unless he remained under the same roof with Victoria, he should be debarred the society of his Leela, well knowing that her unaffected virtue and sense of decorum would deem it improper to be elsewhere so perpetually with him. Meantime, the passion of Victoria, having now, as she conceived, no further obstacles to surmount, grew to an unrestrained height. She sought, by every wily blandishment and seduction, to attract the attention of Enriquez. But vain were her artifices, for his soul was enslaved by the simplicity and innocence of the youthful Leela. All other women were detestable in his sight. Her trembling delicacy, her gentle sweetness, her sylph-like fragile form were to him incomparable, and being familiarized to the observance of such soft loveliness, 
The rest of her sex, when placed beside her, appeared in his idea like beings of a different order. But above all, Victoria he viewed with almost absolute dislike. Her strong, though noble features, her dignified carriage, her authoritative tone, her boldness, her insensibility, her violence, all struck him with instinctive horror. So utterly opposite to the gentle Leela that when with an assumed softness she deigned to caress her, he almost trembled for her tender life, and compared the picture in his mind to the snowy dove fondled by the ravenous vulture. At length, with infinite reluctance and to the bitter mortification of her pride, Victoria acknowledged to herself that she was not only indifferent to Enriquez, but despised and hated by him. At this bitter conviction her brain whirled. "'Yes, he detests me!' she exclaimed in an agony of rage. "'But he shall, he must be mine. His boyish caprice shall not avail him. "'Ah!' she continued, relapsing into softness. "'I will throw myself, my fortune, into his arms. I will again sacrifice my liberty.' and offer to become his wife. Amidst these reflections, the haughty Victoria had scarce allowed herself to believe that the attachment of Enriquez to Lila was the cause of his indifference to her. She resolved to be at once explicit, therefore, to make to Enriquez a proposal which she imagined he would not dream of refusing, and to seize the earliest opportunity of doing so. As if to coincide with her views, Leela, on the same evening, complaining of indisposition, retired early, and Enriquez, who felt no desire to remain alone with a woman whom he viewed with sentiments of disgust, arose a few moments after Leela had quitted the apartment, and, bowing distinctly to Victoria, was departing. "'Stay, Enriquez,' cried the determined Victoria, starting from her seat. "'I desire a few words with you.' Enriquez bowed and arrested his steps. Be seated, I implore you. Have you anything material to communicate, senora? inquired Enriquez, unable to conceal his reluctance to her society. Or will not tomorrow answer equally well? No, replied Victoria, in an impressive accent. I request you, Enriquez, to be seated. Unwillingly, Enriquez resumed his seat when the frantic woman, incapable of restraining her emotion, cast herself at his feet and seizing his hand, Enriquez, she cried, Enriquez, my soul adores you. Behold me at your feet. I offer you all, all that I possess, my hand in marriage. Grant me but your love. Senora, answered Enriquez with assumed composure, disengaging himself from her grasp. As my brother's wife, I tolerated but never approved you. Since his death, my feelings towards you have acquired a stronger cast. I now, he cried, forgetting in a moment his attempt at coolness, I now hate and despise you. Wretch, worthless and insensible as you are, to forget so soon a husband that adored you, and doubly a wretch to confess to me your unhallowed thoughts, whose soul you know to be irrevocably another's. Victoria sprang from her abject posture. The feelings which swayed her heart had been irrepressible. She had not intended to be thus premature in her avowal of love, but the violence of passion threw her off her guard. 
Now the emotions excited by the reply of Enriquez were equally unconquerable. Miserable youth, she cried. It is enough, your insulting coolness, your bitter reproaches. I could have borne, borne proud as I am with patience, but that you should dare without trembling to acknowledge in my presence your love for another. Love, interrupted Enriquez with enthusiasm. Love? Say adoration, idolatry. By heaven, my Leela is a gem too bright to shed her pure rays beneath this contaminated roof. Oh, wretched Victoria, he continued with a bitter smile. And could you attempt to talk of love to the lover of Leela? Can language describe the feelings of Victoria? Her brain worked with wildest rage, producing almost instant madness. Yet revenge, thirsting revenge, was the predominant sensation of her soul, swallowing up every other. By an effort and self-command scarcely credible, she reined in the tumult of her passion and forbore to recriminate upon Enriquez. What? Drive him from the castle and lose thereby the power of sacrificing the abhorred Leela to her vengeance, the pygmy, the immaterial speck that she deemed unworthy of a thought? To lose, too, forever the possibility of softening, perhaps even yet subduing, the stern insensibility of Enriquez? No. The sacrifice to frantic rage would have been too great. Her decision was prompt and instantaneous. Covering her face with her hands, she sunk into a chair and audibly sobbed. A reply so different to what he had taught himself to expect, knowing the violence of her nature, at once surprised and affected Enriquez. In a moment he regretted the asperity with which he had spoken, and the reflection obtruded on his mind that the female whose only fault towards him was the love which she bore him merited at least a milder return. He hesitated an instant, the goodness of his heart prevailed, and he approached the wily Victoria. I would offer, Signora, in a gentle voice, he said, taking her hand, some apology for my warmth. I meant not, I assure you, I meant not to be severe. Will you then, he added, pardon me and accept this acknowledgment of my error? Oh, Enriquez, replied Victoria, redoubling her tears. It is I alone who am in fault. At this moment I feel within me the reproaches due to my conduct. The words which I have suffered to escape my lips now strike me with shame and horror. Scarcely can I account for the impulse that forced me to give them utterance. Noble and generous as you are, forget if you possibly can the frenzy of the moment, and do not, do not, she pursued, casting herself again at his feet, despise me to the degree that I feel you ought. Enriquez, infinitely affected, raised in his arms her whom he believed was indeed the abashed and repentant Victoria. He besought her to be composed and to forgive him the pain that he had caused her. Ah, all that I ask is your forgiveness, said Victoria, and your promise that you will not reflect upon what has passed this night to my disadvantage. Oh, Enriquez, I will show you that if Victoria yields for a moment to an unpardonable weakness, that she knows how to conquer and become herself again. Enriquez assured her that he would blot from his mind every impression unfavorable to her, and added that by the immediate revival of noble sentiments in her bosom, 
and the candor with which she had arraigned herself, she had more than expiated the imperfect part of her conduct. Victoria, affecting to be satisfied and grateful for this assurance, took with well-feigned diffidence and humility the hand of Enriquez, and, raising it to her lips, turned from him as if unable to restrain her emotion, and hurried out of the room. End of chapter 26 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista